0: He initiated the reconciliation of all things to himself through the blood of the cross. God restored the original harmony. His reign of peace now extends to every visible thing on the earth and as well as invisible things which are in the heavenly realms. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people, Things, animals, and atoms get properly fixed together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death. Colossians 1.20, the mirror. I just love that. Welcome. This is Intentional Now podcast, an engaging workshop discussion on change and purpose and redefining. What do we say yes to? Hello, I am Kristen Wombeck. I am a spiritual entrepreneur. I'm chasing bold dreams, doing the work and asking the questions and getting life done. Done, you might say. The life that we're meant to live. Let's do this. Good morning, listeners. Hello, hello. I have a treat for you today. And yes, I kept it. A very good secret. Didn't tell anybody. (laughs) The weather here in the Pacific Northwest has finally heated up and yes all your Oregonians are complaining it's too hot or complaining it's too cold but it's wonderful I like the heat so good morning so without further ado I would like to introduce my guest Mike Parsons and he is from Barnstaple, England and I was looking back in my my journaling notes and my first note was in 2014, and actually, what I found it interesting when I did the search, I had 123 notes with your name on it. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I went, oh my goodness. So, thank you for being a very honoring and very helpful um, influence in my life and my my relationship with heaven. Um, I originally met Mike, he invited me to sit in on one of his supernatural mentoring groups ages ago and it was a great time, it was just a great time. I still have people, there's one particular uh, mentoring group where Bracy and I really um, were zealous. I still have people contact me from that original mentoring group. So welcome, Mike. Thank you for being here.
1: You're welcome. It's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, fond memories from being with you in Corvallis and around uh, the area
2: in the past. I
0: know. I know. What was what was really fun, the the part fun of seeing you have fun because there are different laws in the UK versus in the United States. And I remember you, you go can I shoot a gun? And so my boys were here and here comes all the, the weapons and the ammo. Cause we're, you know, we're Americans and we have weapons <laughs> and it was fun. It was really fun. It was fun to do that. Yeah. Just the difference in the countries. <laughs> so I wanted to share with my listeners what, My first impression of you when I sent you that original email, and the word that comes to mind is graciousness, and then today, what would be my impression today is authentic graciousness, and you know, that word graciousness is not terribly too masculine, but it is the essence of the Father that I've witnessed in your ministry, and I want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. Mm. <laughs> oh, I need to share. Um, so your ministry is Freedom Arc, which has an absolutely awesome blog, wonderful Sons of Iskar. And you have published two books thus far, My Journey Beyond Beyond, And then the restoration of all things, my continuing journey beyond, beyond. So thank you for sharing yourself in a written form.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were, yeah, not I'm not exactly a writer, but uh, I enjoyed doing it because it was just sharing testimonies of what happened over the last, I guess, 14 years or so. So, yeah, it was good to share with people in a written form. Obviously, I've done lots of material videos and YouTube videos and other things, but put it all together into a book, sort of crystallizes it down so people can sort of have a look at the journey themselves and see where their journey will take them. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a needful question. I have a needful mm-hmm. question that... I know that it would minister to me, and if it ministers to me, it would minister to others. So in a nutshell, how do you get creation to respond? And let me let me put that in a in a needful form. My little King Charles dog, my little King Charles Spaniel, which is a gift to me, has a really bad staph infection that won't go away so what's interesting is obviously I have been trying to heal her right yep. this process going through deliverance with her um, and it's interesting that God he takes me in the spirit to heal people who have the same disease so my question to you is how do you the wrong word saying get creation to respond but i do need a response from creation which to help this situation which is really painful
1: oh it's an interesting question i think using creation in its broadest sense is probably easier to answer than creation in a very specific sense for your dog um but uh
0: it's a generality because there are feelings and emotions that are wrapped around that so when there's hurt and pain you it it makes it oh I don't know how to explain it. It means it's kind of like you kind of need this now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, in, in the simplest thing, if I am ever engaging with anything, I'm just going to go to the father and ask him what to do or mm-hmm. find his heart in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously every situation is complex and different. And, I, you know, I don't know what's whether... What's happening with your dog is a result of something else, or it's just something that's happened. Um, I think creation itself is groaning and it's looking for sonship. So mm-hmm. if our manifestation of sonship is aligned to the father's heart, then creation begins to respond to us. And obviously, you know, ministering to a particular part of creation, you then have to align what is going on with that part of creation rather than the general sense of all creation Um, and what i found i guess over over a period of time that all creation is sentient and can communicate Um, the whole of creation is groaning or longing for something sort of indicates some level of thought or connection Um, and i do believe that god has created things in a way that reflects him Mm-hmm. therefore he's relational therefore the whole of creation or creation was created to be relational to be harmonious you know i love the the passage that you read from colossians 1:20 uh, onwards and it, it's just a powerful passage which really describes how jesus created everything for relationship and through him on the cross as wanting to restore everything reconcile everything back to relationship mm-hmm. so that for me is is part of how i engage creation is looking to engage the emotions that i am picking up in any particular aspect of it whether it be the planet itself and sometimes you engage the whole planet or you engage the core of the planet sometimes you engage the tectonic plates of the planet or you engage the elements of the planet the the earth or the air or the water you know those sort of elemental things Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm then looking to find what is the issue that I have any mandate or authorization to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, And alongside that, if I speak with the authority of God's voice, or I speak as his voice, then creation responds. Mm -hmm. But there you need to know identity of who you really are to be able to speak that way. And I found for me, intimacy brooding in his presence aligning myself by just resonating with his heart and his thoughts and his intentions would change me to enable me to do whatever i needed to do within those intentions so i don't want to do anything outside of the intentions of his heart Um, jesus only did what he saw the father doing Mm -hmm. so i've got to look to perceive what is the father doing in any situation and then am i aligned with his heart am i resonating with his intentions then when i speak creation responds generally Um, and that means i can choose realities that align with the father's intentions you know, I can't just choose realities because I happen to want something to be true. But mm-hmm. creation is designed because creation, really, you were talking about light. Mm-hmm. Everything is made up of vibrating frequencies of light, mm-hmm. some of which are solid, which we see and some of which we can't see, but they still exist. And light is designed and it's living. You know, it's, it's, it's not it's not a dead thing because God is light. Mm -hmm. And everything has been formed or created from him and through him. Therefore, everything is connected to light and to the frequency of of his voice. And when we speak with that frequency aligned, then creation responds to us. And light literally chooses to align with what we say. And that quantum physically is, you know, the observer. Yeah. The reality. And, and so that's a science thing. But science doesn't really break it down to the individual. That They really only really look at it as a conceptual thing. And most quantum physicists that I've seen wouldn't apply that to their everyday life. You know, they sort of see it as more of a physics concept and they don't understand it because it seems more spiritual than it does physical in that sense um, and therefore most people see that that is a truth that they can do experiments to prove but they're not really believing that that's something that we can live by but actually the reality is we can
2: mm-hmm.
1: if we're aligned to the father's heart so as i brood in intimacy with the father it changes me aligns me with the father's heart and then when i speak creation responds, light response Mm-hmm. Now, you can't do that if you're double-minded or with any doubt or unbelief, because every time we choose to do something, there is infinite numbers of things we could choose to do. Mm-hmm. most people only choose to do the things that align to the memory that they already have. So they're basically replicating what's already happened in their lives again and again and again, because they just choose at a memory, continue that that way of living if you're in blind with the father's desires and heart you can see something which is not in your past but in your future so you're looking what is god's heart for the future how do i call that future into being and every one of those things that exist as timelines if you like Mm -hmm. if there are multiple ones and you are wavering to which one to choose then you usually do default back to what you already know and you keep replicating it. But if you can choose a future which is aligned to the Father's heart and just focus on the one thing, literally, quantum physicists call it popping a quiff, in Uh that you choose that and there's nothing else that exists for you at that moment, then you can manifest what you're choosing. And you're choosing a reality that then begins to form around you. And literally every other possibility just fades away and light forms that reality. And then you live in it. Now, the complication comes in is that you can't do that for somebody else. Generally speaking, unless they're in agreement. So when someone's in agreement with you, then agreement causes manifestation for more than just that one person. But generally speaking, we're only responsible and able to choose realities around our lives. And the impact that has on others would be impacting them in a positive way of blessing them,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: even if they don't choose it. But if they choose an opposite path, then they have a right to choose the the path they want to follow. Mm -hmm. So although you may be providing an environment that enables them to have a choice they may not choose it and now you can't manipulate and control somebody by choosing the reality for somebody else mm-hmm. so i can't choose someone else's reality i can only choose mine mm-hmm. but the more people who come together in agreement with one mind and one heart and one purpose aligned to the father's heart the easier it is then to start choosing things on a bigger scale and you you have the stories of is it dr emoto who um, was getting people to focus intention, and he had a uh, in Japan. I think there was a lake in Japan that had pollution, and he got a whole load of people to to come together in agreement to focus their good thoughts and intentions for the cleansing of the water, and the water was cleansed
2: mm-hmm. because it
1: happened to be that there was enough intention and choice, I guess, to effectively form that reality. And he says the power of thoughts the power of words and intentionality can affect lots of things. And he's done lots of experiments where he cooks some rice and he puts it in a in two pots, seals it up, and then puts hate on one pot on a label and then puts love on the other pot on a label. And within a few days, the one pot is gone putrid and the other pot just keeps on lasting and doesn't go bad. Because hmm. it's the power of the words, but the intentions behind the words, which has an effect, you know? So our intentions are really important and how we focus those intentions align to the Father's heart. So if you don't know the Father's heart, it's really difficult to choose a reality.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if you if you do engage the Father's heart, then you've got to outwork that through who you are because I would do it differently from you and we're all different. So yeah. the way we do it and the choices we make to outwork the Father's heart would be multiple. And therefore, I can choose to do it differently one day from the next day, but I'm always aligned to the Father's heart. So it sort of makes it not boring, for sure. And there's always
2: something
1: to engage with. So when it then comes to, say, things that I want to do that are aligned to God's heart, I can choose the reality. Now, I know how to do it now because the Father has shown me and I know how light responds because I've seen light responding. And I know when I speak out of the Father's heart, then I know that 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 voice has a resonance that light responds to. So, I mean, I've got lots of examples of where that has affected my own reality and the choices I make. Um, And some of those things would be seen as pretty supernatural in that something happens which is not normally possible. Um, You know, and I've sort of chosen a reality, which is like, okay, I'm not accepting the present state of things. I want this different. I want it changed. So that's happened a lot when I travel and it has a a lot when I sort of fly and do different things, when things happen, which sort of may could disrupt my sort of schedule and everything else. Then I choose a reality where it doesn't. Now one example would that be i was i was in hanover in germany and i was doing a conference and then i was coming back and i flew to brussels to get a flight back to england because there was no direct flight and i was sitting in the airport just relaxing editing some video actually audio i think it was and i just lost track of the time and then i picked up in the atmosphere just some Negativity. So I looked around, and people were looking quite anxious. So I went up to the the flight desk and said, "Oh, what's the problem?" And they said, "Oh, we're having a problem with the tunnel thing. It's not connected at one end, and we can't let you walk across it to get onto the plane until it's fixed." So it. So I. So which was you know because there was a gap oh. and they, health oh. and safety and all this stuff. So so I said to, and immediately I knew the solution. You know, the solution just came to me. So I said, well, here's the solution. Use the gate below this one, because we were on the first floor and there was a, a ground floor, and walk to the plane and give us a give us a you know, steps to go up onto the plane. Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. I said, okay, fine. So I went and sat back down, carried on what I was doing. And you know, the flight was only an hour and 20 minutes, I think, an hour and 30 minutes, something like that. But eventually we they did exactly what I said to. Do and they said we need to go down to the gate below because they couldn't fix the tunnel, and we were an hour over an hour late taking off. Okay, so we're an hour hour late taking off. It's an hour and 20 flight, and we've all got connections that we need to be there on time to get. And there's lots of people, and they're all anxious and they're all pretty annoyed because they could have solved this problem. We would have taken off on time if they just listened, or been been a bit more creative about it rather than jobs worse. You know, and this is what part of the problem. People don't find creativity very easy. They just thought, well, I can't do that. Just, well, <laughs> they, fine. So I was on the plane and it was like, okay, I chose the reality that I'm not going to miss my flight. That right. was the reality. There was no other option. There was no worry, anxiety, concern. I was not going to miss my flight. And therefore, neither was, neither was anybody else on the plane. So I wanted to bless everybody, but I wasn't going to miss my flight. I've made that choice. Now, normally, sometimes I just leave it there. And then you could say the universe responds or light responds and things happen. And in this instant, I actually thought, no, actually, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send some angels ahead of the plane to actually open up a warp field that will bend space for us to get there on time. I just thought, I, mean, I didn't know. I just thought that.
2: Yeah. I thought, yeah,
1: that's what I'll do. I'll just I'll just spend space. I'll get the angels to do it because they fly with me. They can do it for me. So I just sat down and carried on. I was, I was doing reading or something. And about 10 minutes later, the cabin staff all started smiling because they were not making eye contact with anyone to begin with because A, it was a very area. short flight normally and they didn't want to, they just didn't want to be involved in in contention. Right. So they just kept to themselves. And then I saw them all smiling and they started announcing where the gates were for connections and everything else. And basically we got there on time you know? and it was like, OK, but then I discovered that I was then flying to England outside of the continent of Europe. So I had to go through another terminal and then go back through security and everything. So I got off the plane and I was carrying on and it's like, but I'm okay. I'll, this won't be a problem. And then there was a girl who actually, she must've been in her early twenties. She, she saw, she saw me and she saw, she's, I, I can't remember. I spoke to someone and she said, oh, are you English? And I said, yeah. She said, well, I'm going to Bristol. Um, and I think we're going to miss, I'm going to miss the flight because we have got to go. And I said, no, I'm going to Bristol as well. Just walk with me. We'll be fine. So we walked together and we were just chit-chatting a little bit. And we walked together. We got to the security and it was a big, long line. And I could see her face. She was looking like, no, and it's not going to affect me. So we just walked right through, like literally we were on the other side. And she was like, I could see her face was like, what happened? How do we do that? And I just smiled and we just got on the plane and, and got back. And it's like, I could have panicked or I could have thought, oh no, I'm going to miss my flight. I won't be able to get back today. I won't be there tomorrow. I've got things I'm doing tomorrow. And then you, all of a sudden you have all of these, oh no, no, yeah, no, worry. Yeah. But you, if you're going to, you've got to take those things captive or ultimately when you've practiced at this, you don't have those thoughts at all because it's like, no, I'm not having negative thoughts. So then you choose some realities and that reality happened. Now you could say, you know, well, it's a coincidence, but actually you can't fly from Hanover to Brussels in less than 20 minutes. It's impossible <laughs> you know, from a natural perspective. But we did. We got there and none of them could explain it. Obviously, we just got there and they were all very really happy. We got there. Yes. You know, it's things like that that you can choose to do. You know, and I've chosen lots of things like that, which. Mm-hmm. I always check it out with the father first. Because I don't want to assume that what I want is aligned to what he wants. I'm mm-hmm. going to check it out. So, you know, and at other occasions, there have been situations where I didn't change the reality. You know, I was in I was in Toronto, I think, and I was flying to Winnipeg. Um, and I was in plenty of time. I was transferring to a you know an internal flight and I had to check my baggage back in because I had to get my bags and check them back in and get on the other flight. And I was waiting for my bags to come off the carousel and they just didn't come off. You know, it was like everyone else's came off and I'm just standing there on my own with no, no, no bags. And I'm like, OK. And immediately I thought, OK, I'm going to change this. And then I had a check in my spirit and I and I checked it out with the father. And it was like, no, just just wait, just rest. Just wait there. So I waited there and eventually my bags came off. For no apparent reason that they were delayed but they were so i went up to the check-in desk they said well you've missed that flight we'll get you on the next flight which is only half an hour later so i said oh great fine checked in the bags went over to the area where you sit and wait to get on the plane and there was this lady there and she sort of asked me what i where i was going and why i was going and i just said well i'm going to i'm going to winnipeg i'm going to do a conference she, oh, what sort of conference? And I said, Well, it's a Christian conference, but it's a different conference because it's talking about, you yeah, know, Christianity and science and quantum physics. And she said, Wow, that's really amazing. What's all that about? And she, she says, I'm a scientist. So we had this amazing conversation that God had engineered.
2: Uh-huh. So if
1: I changed the thing and caught my original flight, I would have missed that opportunity. So you've got to be sensitive and not make assumptions about okay, well, I'm going to change this because I can.
0: Right, you know? right. And,
1: and I, you know, another, another occasion, I was in New Zealand and I was speaking in Auckland and it was a, an amazing evening and it was just like absolute thunderstorm, thunder and lightning. And I was speaking with this lightning flashing in the background. It was great. I mean, I was, you know, really enjoying it. It was so much <laughs> fun. I was talking about angels and all sorts of stuff.
0: But you weren't and the sound man.
1: <laughs> I wasn't the sound man, no. And... I, I, I sort of finished and everyone everyone left and you know I'm usually the last one to sort of leave, having chatted to everyone and talked to everyone. So, so I eventually got out and there was outside the building where all these cars lined up and apparently the caretaker, because we were the last people in the building, had locked the gate and locked everyone in the car park and they couldn't get out. So it was like, okay, I didn't know what was going on so I went up to the front car who was by the gate and there was the two ladies there one of them was a Hindu and another one was a not yet believer at the time and they were invited by a friend of mine to come and listen Mm -hmm. so they just I said what's going on they said, "Oh, the gate is locked we can't get out you know we're waiting for someone to call the thing but they didn't know the caretaker's number so they were all stuck there Anyway, so they said what, well, and they with us quite a glint in their eye. They were they were sort of joking, but they said, "Oh, do you think you could ask one of those angels to open the gate?" You know. So I looked them and I said, "No, it's okay. I'll open the gate for you." And they said, "Well, it's locked." I said, "Don't worry." So I went up to the gate and I opened the padlock. Just opened it, just like that, because I just chose that's what I was going to do. Uh-huh. And they looked at me as if it was like, "How how did you do that?" <laughs> It's like, but I chose to do it because God didn't want everyone stuck there. You don't want me stuck there either. I needed to get back and, you know, get something to eat and go to bed or whatever. You know, so it was like, so I chose the reality. Now, what happens when you choose a reality like that? Every other possibility exists. There was no thought in my mind that I couldn't open the gate. The gate wouldn't open. It was just a foregone conclusion. It was going to open. And it did. If you're doubting, oh, should I do the... I do this, can i do this it just doesn't really work you know you've got to. god doesn't doubt you know when no, jesus he created everything he wasn't doubting oh i wonder whether <laughs> this will work you know it's just like he just it was his intention his desire and he just spoke it into being so in a sense that's what we do whether we use you know words that we speak
0: mm-hmm. or we
1: are the frequency right. of that intention that's the key and intentionality is really really important when it comes to engaging with creation because you've got to be intentional about it and you've got to look to feel and experience what creation is, is engaging in, you know, whatever it might be, you know?
0: So I did, and this helps me learn because it's really practical. And then they're, you know, going on in my life right now. And so there were, I went back on her generational line and took care of some traumas and stuff. Um, And then um, I heard, so we took her to an acupuncturist and he was into Chinese medicine. And I really understood what he was talking about, very much yeah. so. You know, when he said, Well, she has too much wind, too much heat, blah, blah, blah. So I went, Oh, okay, I can do with that. So I came mm. home and then I asked the elements, the wind. Mm. And yep. she told me that I needed to send the wind back because she came from Ohio and that that wind had traveled with her here so I had her and she was on the couch you know doing deliverance on my dog right and my husband's sitting there having coffee (laughs) and I'm just doing like this and so I'm talking to Gail which is the element the wind and she says send it back and so I went you kind of go, well, how do you, oh, okay. So don't think about it. I said, well, the wind of Ohio, you don't belong here. You go back. And immediately my dog goes like this. And my husband goes, I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it.
2: Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And, you know, and so, yes. And there's been other, other, and then with the fire, there's been other issues with that. Um, But, you know, I keep going because it's, So when I hear you, the intent, Mm. so because it's it's painful when there's pain involved, it's hard to hang on to the intent. Yeah.
1: It is. And in a sense, that would come for even if you're looking for healing for yourself, Mm -hmm. when there's a symptom, you have to be able to see the result, not the present situation. So it is difficult. And a lot of people struggle with the whole thing of healing. You know, I've gone through many different sort of journeys in healing to come to a sort of sense of, well, actually, Jesus wants us to be immortal, not just to be healed all the time. And actually, therefore, you go to health, you know, so it's health. And if you're healthy, then you won't die. So immortality has come to light through the gospel. But when people have got a symptom, they find it really difficult to hold on to that reality because they're reminded of the present situation all the time. And that's when the doubt and unbelief come in. Now, I don't know with a dog how you can get the dog's agreement for the healing, if you like, because with a person, you'll be looking for them to come into agreement. But it's complicated because some people just don't get healed. And no matter who prays for them, it just doesn't seem to happen. And you think, why? Yeah. It's like this person has healed everybody. But then you get stories it's like Bill Johnson saying that, I think, is his son who's deaf and yet prays for a whole lot of people who are deaf and they get healed and he's not healed. And you just think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why? Mm-hmm. What? What? What is it about that? And sometimes you just got to say, I don't understand. God, what's going on? I don't understand. And sometimes he might tell you and sometimes he might not. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, I'm going to trust you. You're going to bring good out of this anyway. Right. And sometimes the journey is more important than the destination because you learn so much on the journey that when you get to the destination, you're changed and you have a whole lot more. So if something happens in an instant, you don't get a journey. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So sometimes it's like when Jesus prayed for the people who were the lepers he sent them on a journey to go and present themselves right and one of them was grateful and came back now i don't know whether he was the only one who actually followed through and got healed or whether he was the only one who was grateful enough to come back you don't know but bottom line is there was a journey and one of the words that is used for healing in in the new testament in greek is therapuo, which is where we get therapy from Mm-hmm. not miracle
0: right some of them,
1: miracles happen instantly yes therapies happen in on a journey of some sort and for that people walked and eventually one of them came back and thanked jesus because he walked on the journey listened and he, he followed so sometimes i think the journey has a purpose that we can't always see when we want an instant result mm-hmm. so we learn things that only god knows what we need to learn on any journey. And therefore I'm, I'm always sort of like, okay, I'm not going to get frustrated or disappointed because there must be a reason. And I'm gonna trust God that that reason is good. Now it's difficult when someone's suffering or when your dog's suffering and you're looking, well, that doesn't seem very fair. Why they continue to suffer? Why does this person continue to suffer? I just got to the point where, okay, God is good. He's good all the time. He's love. He loves unconditionally. Therefore, I can't question because I'm not God and I don't know. But I know he's good and that's not going to shake it. But sometimes. Complicated situations and you've been looking to unpack what's going on and you have found quite a lot of stuff.
0: Oh, my. Already God. Yeah.
1: About what's going on, even in a situation yeah. with a dog.
0: And know. I'm being I'm traveling in the spirit, healing people with the same. Issues. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like, um, okay. Yeah. And then um, I respond. Yeah. So, you know, I respond to her the same way that I saw myself in the spirit heal like an infant, you know, an infant and the mom and of the same yeah. thing, the staff, the staph infection on the skin. And yeah. the same I do the same thing with my dog.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. In, in my, my experience with engaging with the angels and fallen angels and all sorts of aspects of creation and dimensional beings and all sorts of stuff is I don't make any assumptions. And I realized that a lot of what is I haven't got no idea or clue about, but I, I just keep walking with the father and sort right. of discover more and more as I go. What I've actually discovered is that a lot of the time, our level of understanding our identity and sunshine isn't enough to convince them that we have the authority to do what we're trying to do. That's what that's what uh, I just say that
0: again, that that I yeah, that's yeah, see that. Well,
1: again. Yeah, I don't know what I just said, but I'll just say, it, try and say, say, <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, it's like what I've discovered is that as you engage different aspects of creation, they respond to the level of authority you have in your identity as sons. And sometimes we don't know our identity full enough for them to recognize us as sons. So we're still in a process of transformation, transfiguration, renewing our minds. And sometimes we operate in wishful thinking without really having that full total conviction that creation needs to respond to us. And I, I've had to convince aspects of creation and beings that I'm for them, because a lot of people are not. And they've listened to a lot of what has been said by you know, people. And they've heard a lot of things by religious people. And they've heard a lot of things from people who don't seem to be that loving and whatever. And therefore, they don't trust us. And creation has needs to trust us again. Mm -hmm. So when you got that passage in Romans 8, where it talks about, you know, creation being set free from its bondage to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Right. Not that many of the children of God are clothed with glory. So they don't know the essence of who they really are. Therefore, creation doesn't recognize them. Therefore, when you come up against an aspect of creation Uh and they're doubting what you're saying. You've got to find a way of engaging them, and and I, I've chosen to do that when I engage certain beings and things. It's like, firstly, I am going to, I have to show that I'm genuine yeah. in my desire yeah. for them to be restored. Yeah, you know that that's the first thing, and if I'm not genuine, and genuine cannot mean doesn't mean that I'm not necessarily wanting them to be, but I've got to be unwavering in my desire and belief that this will take place and therefore sometimes I look at some of the things I engage and I'm like they must see on my face that I'm like what is this who are you what are you what are you what's this all about you know and therefore sometimes I've got to take sort of okay I need to just draw breath here and I need to compose myself come back to a place of rest and then usually in that moment i've engaged with the father and i've got the father's heart and then i can then begin to express the father's heart which i'm now in agreement with fully because mm. some of the things i see are pretty ugly looking things yeah. you know they're, they're they're not pleasant to look at and what they've doing and have done is not pleasant to see and therefore you sometimes have a reaction in your spirit or in more in your soul actually it's probably a soul reaction is like not quite as much love as as god has let's say and therefore then i've got to sort of come back and engage the love of god again and then start to express that so that has all sorts of connotations i remember engaging with a group of people and we were engaging around the earth in in There's a shield around the earth that God has been putting together for a while of people whose desire is to shield the earth from external influences and then to minister into the earth. And we started to engage that and we started to engage with the core of the earth. And all of us just felt drawn to engage the core of the earth and the core of the earth actually expressed its displeasure at why it's always associated with negative things because it seemed as well that's where hell is or that's where this is in this and the other and it was like <laughs> and so we had to apologize for the way we had disrespected the core of the earth by associating negative things like under the earth that's where bad stuff happens
2: yeah
1: that's where the devil's lair is i mean, all that it's all mythology in one sense because <laughs> it's not we're not talking about physical realities we're talking about spiritual realities but it affects the physical reality and uh-huh. the core of the earth expressed its displeasure yeah. and you know I was so okay we're we going to respond so we apologized we yeah. said basically on behalf of everyone who's negatively indicated this stuff we apologize we really asked you to forgive us yeah. and we really want to engage and we want to cooperate together to bring stability to the earth or to bring Blessing to the earth, because the core of the earth is part of the responsibility for the magnetic field of the earth, and the magnetic field of the earth can can have issues which then form different things in the in the environment which are not healthy. So we sort of started to engage and whatever. And then then it then it said, and and particularly the issue over where these beings have been chained up, which is Tartarus,
2: where the fallen watcher
1: angels are chained up. In Peter, it talks about it. Yes. So we're like, oh, okay. What are we going to do about that? So it's like we were all like looking at each other, and we're like, we've got no idea what to do here. Absolutely no idea what to do here. But okay, well, let's go and let's go and ask the father. Let's go and engage. See what he wants us to do. So we ended up engaging with the father, and it was like we had a a we had a sort of process that Mm -hmm. he showed us that we needed to go through to get to the point where we could set a group of angelic beings free or help them to become restored or other things and it was like okay so we had to go back to the earth and say look sorry we can't do anything about this right now but we've been given a process that actually in the future we will be able to 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 deal with this so sometimes you've just got a You know interact and react and go with the flow of what's going on but there is a sense where a lot of people presume that they know who they are but really don't and creation will just you know know they're blagging really i mean essentially you know you you can't blag you've got to be genuine and you've got to be real and therefore you really do have to know and you might just know (laughs) in that instance You know, and it might not be a general thing all the time that, you know, but in that instance, you've got to know. And therefore you're totally confident in what you're doing in that instance. And therefore, you know, when it comes to something, you know, like dealing with your dog or dealing with something, sometimes it's like I realize I don't know. And there's lots of things I could do you know, and I know how to do and I know how to engage with anointing for healing in certain things. Uh-huh. But sometimes, you know, as you found, OK, there may be issues here which are beyond the physical and there are the spiritual dynamics here. And, you know, there may be, as you see, trauma things there which have been lodged within the cells of hey, the dog itself or, you know, as you say, passed on epigenetically, because at the end of the yes, day, yes, yes. Epigenetics is not actually just for human beings. No. You know, DNA can contain memory and so can epigenetic factors can be passed on from generation to generation in dogs as well as humans. Yeah. You know, So there is quite complex issues around it. And I mean, bottom line is I can't give you an answer to your specific situation with your dog, but it seems like you're doing the right things.
0: Yeah, I understand um, that. It's just that um, when I was yeah. listening to the other interviews, one of the things that struck me is how you wrapped the frequency of God's heart around you. And I went, uh, note to self, you know, note to self. I went, um, okay, that's good. That's really good. And so that was a highlighted point to me. And
1: And um, I do that, but then I also surround what I'm dealing with, with that frequency as well. So I encompass it in love. Because literally, God is love. And the the frequency that I engage in, in his intentions, is always going to be a manifestation of his love. Therefore, I then surround things with his love because I'm surrounding them with my my desire, which is an expression of his desire. And so, yeah, yeah, in this situation, try that with the dog. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to surround you i'm going to extend my spiritual boundary and i have rivers of living water flowing with energy and life and health and wholeness and i'm going to put it around you and i'm going to hold you in my heart and within the intention of my desire for health and wholeness for the dog Mm -hmm. you
2: know
1: and then you're in sense creating an environment that is protecting them from any external influence and is holding them in an atmosphere of love so that their physical body can respond to that frequency of the
0: original template, but it's a healing frequency because it's, you know, you
1: know, and there's all sorts of other things you can do. I mean, you can use Rife machine frequencies. You can use all sorts of. Oh,
0: oh, 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 oh. Guess what? So now that you brought that up, so I was sitting at dinner the other night with my, my son and his girlfriend and Dawn for dad's day. And all of a sudden his girlfriend says, we we'll start talking about her grandmother, right? Yeah. And she goes, my grandmother and she had leukemia and, da, 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 and she goes, yeah. And she goes, have you ever heard of the Rife thing? And I went, mm, tell me more. And so then she said that, um, her grandma, has one of those
2: machines
0: yeah as one of those machines that she was talking to me about it because she was thinking about it for my dog right and Mm -hmm. she said I went oh and so they just got it kind of like out of storage because the grandparents moved to a to a different yeah so I just went are are you guys using this (laughs) <laughs> the sound and the frequency but she told me the story of how they had to hide and go behind the scenes and and to actually purchase one of those machines so yeah it's in interesting in that US, you mention it
1: yeah in the U.S. you're not allowed to purchase one hole I don't think or they don't like it yeah. anyway Now, Rife Roy, Raymond Royal Rife who developed that was a scientist I think in the 30s um, and he Developed, he was he was operating on a a sort of electron microscope at looking at things at a deeper level and he noticed that frequency seemed to have an effect on cells Mm -hmm. so he then tried to replicate that and produced a machine that produced frequencies that then could be applied to cancer patients or terminally ill patients Mm -hmm. and literally he had i think 14 terminally ill patients that he was given a few months to be able to apply frequencies to and all of them were healed every one of them
0: her grandmother was healed
1: yeah every one of them was healed and but obviously at that point in time you and he was given doctor of the year award <laughs> You know, or I think maybe not a doctor of scientists or so, because I'm not sure he was he wasn't an actual medical doctor, but he mm. was a Ph.D. of something, I think. And he was given this award. And then all of a sudden, all sorts of things started to go on in the scene. And his is all his research was lost. He died in an unexplained way. And it was a big fire in his lab and everything was lost. Yeah. And therefore, you know, nothing really came of it. So. Now I think God is unveiling and revealing that everything really operates on frequency and intention right. and this sort of stuff. That some people are now rediscovering rife frequencies. So there are a lot of rife machines out there. Some of them are quite big and expensive. Some of them are smaller. I I used a machine called Spooky Two. Not that I needed it for myself, <laughs> because well, it. <laughs> but it's called Spooky Two because Albert Einstein called quantum entanglement that spooky
2: uh-huh
1: you know because it, it is weird isn't it, yeah,
2: How it totally
1: weird. instantly connect billions of miles apart you know?
2: know
1: so literally they called it spooky too and it's just quite a smallish like little machine like that I I bought one from imported it from the Far East somewhere and Hong Kong I think and had it was using it had a couple of them we got it here in our sort of therapeutic yeah you know, Room um, and it operates in multiple different ways. You can put frequencies into water, drink the water. You can hold plasma coils, which actually goes into the body, or you can operate on in quantum entanglement. So you can use a little bit of nail, which carries your DNA. You put it into this chamber. The frequencies are applied to the chamber, which actually affect the person.
0: Yeah, and draw those because the DNA yeah. attracts itself to its, yeah. itself.
1: Absolutely. So you know you could get a bit of your dog's DNA, put it in that, apply the, and what you do, you do you do biofeedback scans to find out what's actually wrong, because a lot of things on the surface symptom are not actually the what's really going on in the body, and there's often toxins and other things, you know, parasites, all sorts of stuff that goes on in your yeah. body, and you you know so any, anyway, there's there's you know there's a lot of things like that that do work. And it even works on a, a pretty weird stuff. You can put green fly in this chamber and it will apply a frequency around a certain certain distance around your house that all the free, free green fly will just disappear from the garden because it basically provides a frequency that hits against the green fly frequency and they just you know, like disappear or don't come near. There's all sorts of stuff like that. You can put mold in there that actually then removes the effect of mold on the body because you're you're hitting it with a, a complementary frequency it's like hitting it with a jackhammer you find the frequency that this thing is vibrating at then you come at it with a much stronger frequency and you basically destroy it
0: but you know, it but is it's, technically it's like a prophetic sign of who we are we should be able to
1: yes to, and that's where i've come resonate
0: to. at that I frequency believe,
1: exactly i believe this is a temporary transitional thing. That we're using technologies to do things that ultimately we will be able to choose with the power of our consciousness and thought.
0: Right, just like a cell phone.
1: Yep, you just focus the intention and you focus it into that situation and you change it. But there's a lot of these things around which are I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying don't use them because I think if you don't know how to focus your intention and do that. This is a te- this is a solution
0: It'll which help. may
1: be tr- transition, but actually use it. And there is all sorts of machines. People use gem therapy. They're using light therapy. Yeah, they're using all sorts of plasma therapies, different therapies. Friend of mine um, who ha- had cancer. Um, she was terminal. Told she was terminal. She just refused to accept it. She asked the father what to do. She started applying certain things that he told her. One of them was using a particular a sort of therapy machine called the beamer which is designed to create sort of blood flow you know in the system and she used that and with a few other supplements that he told her to take and basically her her cancer markers just went down and down and down and she's she's fine yeah. you know and she was only given a few weeks to live really basically they told her she needed to leave go to hospice you know she just That's refused it well I'm, I'm not accepting that i'm not done God's got a destiny for me, and eventually she she learned to apply those things. Now she's she's got a therapeutic wellness center that she you know, manages, and there are a lot of people now developing wellness centers that are looking to apply more alternative things Absolutely. to the solutions to the problems. But I do believe ultimately frequency is in frequency, and whether you produce it within a machine or whether you can focus your consciousness to choose that reality and that frequency to manifest. I don't think they're any different, but I think most people don't know how to do it. So Mm -hmm. you have to practice. It takes a time to practice how to generate that intention and focus that intention and therefore have no doubt or unbelief. That's, (laughs) I think the biggest problem is double-mindedness for most people. They really want to believe it, but they don't believe it. Mm And therefore, when it comes to doing it, they're really hoping it's going to happen. And hoping is not enough when you choose a reality. You can't hope a reality is going to manifest. Yeah. Now, everyone does it every day, every decision they make. Yes. You know, I could choose to do something right now which would affect your reality. I could get up and walk out of the room and I wouldn't be talking to you. That would be a choice. And if I did it, that would manifest because it's just a choice. And eventually that would be the reality that would become history because you would have it recorded. that I wasn't in the sea anymore, <laughs> but right now it's only a possibility that I'm not going to choose to do, right. but I can choose lots of other possibilities. Like whatever I'm going to say is a choice, it is. you know, no, I'm not thinking about it. I'm instinctively responding because I don't think about the answers I ever talk about anything. I just let it out of my spirit. Because essentially, I've already prepared in the realms of heaven before time. Like, I'm already ready for anything because I am agreed, there. Have sitting in heavenly places, you know. And uh-huh. um, So it's sort of, but it is practice. It takes time. And you, we're not taught how to do it in normal Christian things or in, <laughs> in, even in...
0: <laughs> I know. Who talks about this stuff?
1: Wider things. It's <laughs> like, it's not, people aren't taught. Generally, some people can do it, but they tend to keep it to themselves and they don't share with others how to do it because essentially you're giving away secrets and secrets give you power and authority. I mm-hmm. know I just want to give everything away. So I'll, I'll tell anybody anything they want to know, <laughs> you know. And I tell anything. But that doesn't mean that people can just go and do it because I've got a journey right. that has brought yeah. me to that point. And if they don't have that journey themselves in their own way to come to a place where they are intimate with the father's heart and entangled with him then they'll be needing to go on that journey to bring them to that place where they're genuinely they really know the father's heart and they know who they are because you know you can only get your identity from the father
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know most of us have our identity from the world and our upbringing and our cultural sort of experiences that shaped what we think about ourselves i need We need that renewing of the mind to start thinking about ourselves the way God thinks about us. Mm -hmm. And He has a lot of thoughts about us. Instead, it says in Psalm 139, a vast sum of thoughts about us. In fact, how many of them do we know? How many of them are we in agreement with? And if we are, then the more we are, the more we'll actually be who He says we are, rather than what anyone else says or what we might have thought.
2: You
0: know, I agree. Mm-hmm. Agree. Woo-hoo. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. All right, I'm kind of going, oh, do I ask one more question or do I wrap it up now? It's good. Thank you. How are you doing on time, Mike?
1: Um. Well, I haven't got that much time longer because I've got to get home, cook my meal and then come back because I've got another meeting later. So but you know, I'm okay for a few minutes.
0: Well, I don't ever see you answer anything in a few minutes.
1: (laughs) Probably not, no.
0: (laughs) I never see you answer things in a few minutes. (laughs) I'm thinking. Okay. I'm thinking. I think we should probably leave it there.
1: Okay, that's great. And if you know if you ever want to do it again, I'm always available. Yeah, because I
0: I I yes, I have some thoughts to to share, especially on shale and yes
1: yeah <laughs> so yeah plenty, plenty of experiences around that to oh say.
0: yeah yeah <laughs> uh-huh it's quite interesting so but i want to be respectful of your time oh so. yeah. um we would have time for you to um release an activation yes
1: um okay what what sort of activation do you want to do hmm
0: yeah you turned that right back around and said what kind of activation do you want to do Um. (laughs) (laughs) okay um Would you hand me from the father's heart and it would be, if you're handing it to me, it would be handing it, it would be individually handling it to each listener. But would you hand me a portion of father's heart that he feels is needful for me today?
1: Okay. Yeah, I can do something like that, I guess. I mean, best thing for me, I'll just check it out with the father and then we'll go from there. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think what the father wants everybody to know in, in a more deep and intimate way is unconditional love. Right. And the frequency of unconditional love will actually begin to transform our whole being into who he says we are. So... I will, I'll do that. So I encourage you to close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And just start to focus your intention, your thinking, your thoughts on the Father's face. And just, just breathe slowly and breathe deeply and just come to a place of rest where you're just resting in the presence of the Father. You're resting in the presence of love. And the Father is releasing that love to you. He's surrounding you, cocooning you with his love. That love is resting on you. And you're feeling the weight of that love. His unconditional love for you. No conditions attached. That love is pouring into you like a river of living water. Love flowing from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. That love flowing from your innermost being, touching every cell of your body, every thought in your mind, every memory in your heart, and transforming everything into an experience of unconditional love. And as that love is filling you and filling you and filling you, you're coming to a place of absolute peace, full joy, resting in living loved that he is loving you right now. And I want you just to think of others who you know need to experience that love And from what you are experiencing, release that love as a river of living water flowing from your innermost being, flowing from your spirit, soul, body around you and encompass those people that you want to focus that intention of love on and surround them with that energy field of love, that frequency of love, and let them be encompassed and surrounded with love. So freely you're receiving, freely you're releasing. And I'm just gonna release a frequency frequency of love. You're bathing in love. Soaking in love. That love touching every part of your being.
0: why i asked that request yeah i'm gonna tell you why i asked that request because all of a sudden i saw you know like the heart the organ is just was right there right and i went yeah. okay and so that's why i asked the re- the request and then what i received from the request and this is a pretty graphic picture that. He created in my mind, but from the movie Dances with Wolves, when they went out hunting the buffalo, right? Yeah. Which was very needful for them. And so uh, Kevin Costner got his first kill of the buffalo. And in the scene when they stripped open the animal and were preparing it, the, the, oh, his best friend, who was his best friend, I don't remember his name. He hands him the heart. Mm. And Kevin Costner goes like this, right? And he goes, Mm. hmm. And basically what the first thing that they did to when they killed, they (sighs) ate the heart.
1: Yeah. The essence of the animal, yeah.
0: And that's exactly what happened to me when I saw the heart was to eat the heart, which eats the victory and the provision
1: awesome
0: interesting nice. oh, thank there you, you very much
1: oh, you're welcome
0: this is very fun very yes good stuff i appreciate it so much and um i will leave the links um for the listeners to to find your books and to be able to find you So it'll be there in the lower parts of um, the episode description. And I'm okay. Mike, if you just hold on a sec here, I'm going to say goodbye to the listeners. And I will see you next week.